You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash Film School. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In a celebration of urban wildness, the wild Paris of Telegraph Hill follows formerly homeless street musician Mark Bittner into San Francisco's avian subculture where a remarkable flock of wild green and red parrots live and work to survive. With us today is Mr. Bittner and the documentary's director and producer, Judy Irving, a Sundance and Emmy Award-winning filmmaker whose previous credits include Dark Circle, a feature documentary about the nuclear industry, and Out of the Way Cafe, an hour-long drama. Judy Irving, Mark Bittner, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. It's nice to have you with us. Thanks for coming on, Mark, and thanks for coming on, Judy. I, I appreciate this. How did this start? It's a fabulous little film. How did this come about? You're up in San Francisco. You've, you've done a documentary on the nuclear industry. Why parrots? Oh, <laughs> I have done a lot of environmental films, too, about the wildlife and countryside around San Francisco Bay. And I love birds, and birds are always in these movies. So after I had made one, a short one, actually, about great blue herons that nest in Golden Gate Park, and I showed it at a museum up here, some friends said, oh, you've got to make a movie about this guy who feeds the wild parrots. Mm -hmm. So that's how it started. Some friends pointed me the way. Did you initially set out to make a documentary, or just walk up there and shot some footage and see what you'd come up with? When I first called up and went over and saw Mark feeding the birds, I Frankly, I did have a question in my mind, how much of a story is there in a guy feeding a bunch of parrots? <laughs> uh, and originally, I, w- I was thinking of doing a children's film, a short children's film, because it did just seem so magical, and it, it seemed kind of mythic. Yeah. But uh, after doing a couple of shoots with some young kids, <laughs> which uh. were disastrous, I actually heard Mark telling stories to the kids about the birds and realized that if I could get some of those stories on film, he's such a good storyteller and he has a good voice. I started thinking about doing a, a regular portrait documentary, which is mm-hmm. what it evolved into. Now, Mark, when you first saw Judy there, what was your impression? Were you thinking, uh, oh, no, here comes a... Here comes a camera person making, trying to document this thing, or, or were you attracted to the whole prospect of it all? I was fine with it. Yeah. I had uh, <clears throat> cooperated with two student films once before, not on the parrots, just uh-huh. somebody was taking film classes at a local college. So I wasn't intimidated by the camera, and she seemed like a good person, and I knew that the story was unique. And I, would be, I knew I was going to be leaving soon, so it just the idea appealed to me of having you know, a little piece of film that I could remember the birds by. And I did think it was going to be just this little piece of film. Did, did the birds have any reaction to Judy or the camera that was different than just regular folk? Well, as long as I was there, it didn't bother them. Um, I was kind of surprised at how comfortable they were. She got real close. She would be right on my shoulder as I was feeding them. But they weren't concerned as long as I wasn't. I've got to say this, too. There's a great little segment in the film where this one guy is coming at you about how the birds aren't really wild because, well, you're feeding them and and, and you're trying to explain, well, they'd be here with or without me. 
I'm very glad you left that in. Do you, do you get a lot of people just kind of, uh, I, I, it seemed like he was irritated about yeah. something, or are most people really receptive to what you're doing there? Well, most people were receptive, but yeah. he is representative of a certain cross-section of the culture, shall we say. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. just some people think that anything outside the ordinary, you know, way of life is kooky. Yeah. And he was like that, and that wasn't that unusual. You'd you'd had other people react to you that way. Yeah, I mean, one time, one time I was feeding, and I saw this guy coming up the sidewalk. And he took one look at me. He had no idea what I was doing. He was in a business suit, you know, and but he knew that whatever it was, he was totally against it. And <laughs> as he walked past me, he looked in the opposite direction because he didn't want to encourage me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now let, let's uh, snubbing your parrot. Yeah, now let's uh, for people who don't know, there are, there's a flock of wild parrots in, in San Francisco, which uh, I, you I have hear them is too. You know, pardon me. You have them too. Oh, you know? oh yeah. we do. In fact, I know that Long Beach down here, Signal Hill, Long Beach, there's a, a significant flock of, of wild parrots. I don't know if they're the same kind uh, no, as they are. Not necessarily. No, but uh, and there's a number of uh, explanations for how they arrived in San Francisco. Do you want to run through any of these for us? Or? Well, Couple? none of the explanations that the people give in the film are to be taken seriously, I think. <clears throat> but to me, what probably happened, and it happened all over the country, is prior to 1993, it was legal to capture wild birds in South America and other places and ship them up here and sell them as pets in stores. They had to go through quarantine first. And all these birds that started these flocks had quarantine bans on. That's how I know. Mm. Like this flock, for instance, was started by quarantined birds. But... Wild birds want to be free, and right. uh, in a lot of cases, I'm sure they were no but, good as pets. People tossed them out the door just to get rid of them. Right, Well, the, but they adapted. Yeah, that's the thing. They're very smart, highly adaptable, and temperature doesn't make any difference. There's a flock in Chicago. Mm, you're kidding. No. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, Judy, what was the thing that surprised you the most about the story? What surprised me were the personalities. Is yeah, well, I was just, I'm hoping you were get to, <laughs> I was hoping you would talk about that, but it, did that shock you to find out how much personality and distinct uh, personalities they were? Yes, it did. I was amazed at how distinctive the individual birds were within the flock, and there are quite a number of, of stories in the film that will show you that yeah. and show the behavior and how different the birds are. I also was amazed at how cuddly they are with each other. Yeah. I have had a, a cockatiel for 18 years, which is, it's a little tiny parrot, but she she didn't have another cockatiel to cuddle with, so I didn't know all about that. But there's a there's a pair in the film, you'll see, they're named Picasso and Sophie. Yeah. And they're just these little cuddle muffins. It's amazing <laughs> how affectionate they are with each other. The other thing that amazed me about the flock was how similar it is to uh, human society. <laughs> For instance, you know, the, the whole flock will fly in to a tree all in unison, squawking away, you know, looking beautiful. And then as soon as they land, they start to fight. <laughs> 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 so it's it's really interesting, and what was great about Mark's deep knowledge of this flock was that, you know, without his having studied the flock for six years and without him pointing out all these different behavior patterns and cool things about individual birds, you wouldn't see it. Yeah, There's no other flock in the world 
that's been studied like this. Most wild parrot flocks are studied by scientists, and those scientists don't identify individual birds because they can't. It's too hard to do it. So all they can tell is, okay, the flock got up at, you know, 8, 10 in the morning, and the whole flock flew over to eat loquat fruit at 9 o'clock, that kind of thing. But what the film is about is what happens within the flock to the individual birds over time. We're speaking with... Judy Irving and Mark, Mark Bittner, and uh, Judy is the filmmaker, director of Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill, and Mark Bittner is the subject of that documentary in many ways, uh, although he shares the stage with about 45 friends. Have you come up with an answer, uh, Mark, for uh, the question that was asked in the film, which is, what is the difference between you and the uh, and the pigeon lady, on the, <laughs> except except I will say that the the detail with, with with which you monitor these birds certainly distinguishes you. But otherwise, is there is there a distinction? Well, I think one difference would be that while I was on the street for a long time, I didn't really have drug or alcohol problems. Oh, there you go. Okay. And I I mean I was there sort of by choice. Yeah. That's a complicated issue, and I'm not even going to try to go into that right now. I'm writing a book about it right now. But, I mean, that's one obvious difference. But, I don't know, it seems kind of rude (laughs) to... To go into that too deeply. No, I don't. given this film, given the the detail that you you were able to draw out of this flock, have there been people within the scientific community or the 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 bird community, if you will, that have have come to you and asked you more detailed, sort of a more uh, in depth uh, view of of the parrots and their behavior? Not too much, and I think one of the reasons why is that your career as a scientist won't take you very far studying, you know, like um, non native species in yeah non-native habitats. So there's been very little study done on it at all. There's been some interest, but not a lot, no. Okay, given what you just said, you have gotten to a level of understanding behaviors within the flock, which I would I would think would be of some scientific value, but, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah. no? Well, there's also a certain skepticism, because I'm not a trained scientist. I mean, I think there's an assumption that I don't have eyes that can see, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I had no interest whatsoever in being inaccurate. I was never, like, trying to give cuddly, you know, <laughs> features to a bird that didn't have them, yeah. or I wasn't trying to see stuff that wasn't there. I had to see something over and over again before I was willing to say, okay, well, that's what's going on here. I think one thing that scientists do a lot is, unless you can show it quantitatively, they won't buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you just have to trust your own eyes and instincts. I mean, you have to be careful about that, of course. But, I mean, I never gave them the ability to do math or anything like right. that. But right. that doesn't mean they don't have personality. And that doesn't mean they don't make choices. You see them, like, just a bird walking across a set of tree limbs is making decisions all along the way. Mm-hmm. They have to make intelligent decisions. Are you getting to the point where you're anticipating their decisions when you're watching them and, and communicating with them? Well, I don't feed them anymore, but at the time that I was, uh-huh. toward the end of it, it was like I understood a great deal of what they did, and I could anticipate things, but they would always surprise me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I heard the flock now is up to 200 there. Approximately. In, yeah. Are, are people caring for them at all? Are they, are they feeding them, or are they just on their own right now? There are people that feed them, but they don't need it. I mean, it's, I mean they go to bird feeders, for one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and just like any other bird, if they see seed, oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. But there's a lot growing in a city. They eat all the stuff that you see, I say, I was going to say regular wild birds eating. You know, like there's 
all those little wild berries that you would never think of eating yourself, but you see yeah. birds eating. Right. They eat those. They eat pine nuts. They eat all kinds of different things, loquats, uh, apples, blossoms, juniper berries. So there's yeah. no shortage of food. It's not like they need any supplemental food, but birds like seeds. They're concentrated fat, and they're getting them at, from bird feeders in a way that they wouldn't find them in nature. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a big fistful here. Once again, a reminder, our listeners, that we're speaking with Judy Irving and Mark Bittner and Judy's documentary, The Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. And and if one thing alone, f- if you've ever been up to Koi Tower or Telegraph Hill, it's worth seeing just because of the, the great photography that's going around there. And it's a familiar place that's that's enhanced by these these beautiful birds. And if people were interested in purchasing the DVD, where, where could they go? Uh, you can go to our nonprofit production company's website store. It's called pelicanmedia.org. Can I put in a plug for my book? Absolutely. What's the title of it? <laughs> plug away. Yeah. I, I, I wrote a book. It has the same title. They're complementary but not duplicated uh-huh. pro, uh, projects. So. Oh, absolutely. I, I thought you meant your new book that you were writing on. Oh, no, I'm working on a new book. But, yes, I have a book called The Wild Parrots of Telegraph Hill. Oh, I'm, yes, it's, yes, I'm it's sorry. It's widely available. It's Very good. Okay, so, and uh, that's available where? Would that be an Amazon? Yeah, yeah everywhere. everywhere. And okay. also Amazon. It's a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Terrific. This, well, is, this is quite something, a New York Times bestseller and uh, one of the top 25 highest grossing documentaries. And uh, it's uh, it's Parrots. <laughs> it's it's parrot mania here at uh, at film school. Well, Judy and Mark, thank you for for being here on film school. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. To learn more about film school, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at kuci.org/filmschool. dot org slash film school.